Welcome to the show. Paul George here in studio with Adam Conk. Adam, how you doing today? Great, Paul. How are you? Dude, episode 88? 81. 81. Close. Wow. Yeah. We've been doing this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I figured the show's sort of like a like a bad hair day, man. It just keeps going. <laughs> it just, just won't go away. It just won't go away. But then you got to turn that bad hair day into something new, right? Yeah. Like a new trend. Yeah. Speaking of bad hair day, I got a haircut yesterday can you tell or does it just always look the you same? must get them often because no i can't tell yeah so confession i get a haircut at least every two weeks yeah yeah so see when my hair grows it gets poofy or puffy either way it just gets big out of control almost like a fro without curls a fro without curls. Yeah. Wow. That sounds like the title of your next book <laughs> a fro without curls yeah actually i i have a couple of titles for my next books series See, i was just joking but you're you've got an, another one in the can huh well but here's the thing about a book uh-huh is that you can have all the ideas that you want <laughs> you actually have to sit down and write <laughs> so i i am never short of ideas yes that's true so which, well, what are you thinking for your next book what well is your this idea? is a little this is a little off i can't figure out the right title but this is the working title of one of them, but I'm serious about it. It's called Fluffy Spirituality. Fluffy? Fluffy Spirituality. Wow. The advent of a faith that no one wants to follow. Whoa. Whoa. Well, you, better, you better write it quick now because you just put it out there so someone else is like, yep, let me write that book. Well, if somebody so get on wants it. to help me write it, fund it <laughs> so I can write. But, but here's what I've been noticing. Honestly, and this is where it came out of. It wasn't just like, hey, what's the idea? It was really like, what's the conversation? Mm-hmm. And what's like happening in our culture? And even as I talk to like people who practice their faith or, you know, are Christian, what I've noticed is that there there's a real trend in, in, our, in our culture of a real fluffy spirituality. Like people who aren't w- really willing to sacrifice much for Jesus. Yeah. Like we want our cake and we want to eat it too. We like we want we want both and like almost like we don't want to go all in, but mm-hmm. even if we go all in, like we're not willing to to go all out. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's culturally, like I'm not I'm not like calling out individuals. It's like a culture of comfort. Right. Culture of comfortable like, Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. And like, of course, the Lord is not calling you to be uncomfortable. I don't, just don't <laughs> know how you can actually read the Gospels and not feel uncomfortable. Right. Like, really uneasy. And I think oftentimes when we think about that, um, or if I say something that makes someone uncomfortable, and I'm like, I'm just quoting Scripture, it's making me uncomfortable, too. Like, part of the Gospel, the nature of the Gospel is to make us feel uncomfortable. It's actually a good thing mm-hmm. to be yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, if we're not being made to feel uncomfortable, then we're not moving, we're not thinking, we're not converting, we're not growing. This is what Jesus came to do, right? Absolutely. And in the history of the church, the vast majority of Christians lived a very difficult life. And I think we need to remember that. Yeah. The vast majority of Christians didn't know what they were going to eat the next day, or they were struggling under some kind of oppression, government-wise, or whatever, serfdom, whatever. Or they're being persecuted for their faith. The vast majority lived a very difficult life. And so following Jesus in the everyday was heroic, just 
living their life faithful to Jesus, trusting in Jesus that he's going to provide is the normal experience of Christians for 2,000 years. Our problem is that we are so wealthy as a culture and comfortable, Mm -hmm. and our normal experience is that we don't rely on Jesus for much. Maybe emotional comfort once a week, maybe, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so we're in this habit of not needing Jesus, and I would say that's why we're so fluffy, because we've created this version of Christianity that is not radically dependent on Him. But good Christians that follow Jesus today can do so much. And and I'll throw back to St. Basil back in the day. What is he, like 3rd century, 4th century? But St. Basil was this wealthy man. He had, in other words, in a time of difficulty, whatever, he he had a lot of wealth and prestige, and he was holy. And he used it all to found the first hospital system. Did you know that? Wow. St. Basil, he he got people together, and they took care of the sick, and he spent his fortune away. Like, he just gave it all away. For something good. For something good. And so people of means and of comfort and of wealth can turn into heroic, game-changing Christians Absolutely. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not telling people, hey, go sell everything you have, right? But let me just say this. Jesus actually says in the gospel, sell everything you have and follow me. And I think what, what ends up happening, myself included in this conversation, by the yeah. way. and, and Same I, here. Yeah. Here, here. Is, is this, is we read that and we think, what he didn't mean that for me. You know, mm-hmm. like he, he must have meant that for someone else. I can't sell everything I have. I can't really follow Jesus that radically. But Jesus said it. Like, so do we just skip it? Mm-hmm. Or do we read it and really think, what's what's Jesus asking me to do with that? Like, yeah. what's, what's he asking me to sacrifice or give away or sell or buy or help with people? So certainly... We can't just pass it over if we're really following Christ. We got to at least ask the question, Jesus, what are you saying to me with this? And the Gospels are just full of statements like that that make me personally, Paul, feel very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean I'm like, well, I'm not a Christian anymore because I'm feeling uncomfortable. It's like, no, the uncomfortableness is what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I remember in marriage prep, cool idea that really helped shape the marriage was this idea of each spouse giving 100%, right? Like marriage is not 50-50, where you give 50, she gives 50, he gives 50, and then it somehow adds up to a marriage. When in reality, both spouses give everything, yeah, and that makes a marriage. And our faith is exactly like that. Like God has given us everything, everything. He has held nothing back, right? 100% of himself, 100% of what we need right now to be holy and saints, and courageous, and all that. And so we have to give our 100% as well, right? Absolutely. Um, but for most of us, that's a big 100%. <laughs> and and resp- when you look at the history of the church, like we have a lot to offer the church in the world today. And you know what would be a fun, based, you just got me thinking, this would be a fun mental exercise for pastors, bishops, and priests, all right? Mental exercise, right? Okay, yeah. If I all of a sudden required the whole church to give all of their money and property to the church mm-hmm. like in the old days yeah who would leave and who would stay right do that little mental exor- exercise and then that's that's the people that are serious in your area <laughs> <laughs> most people would leave myself included most <laughs> clergy and bishops and now <laughs> let's take that out of, out of the context of today's church where sometimes things are mismanaged yeah and we don't want to trust our stuff well and to things them. are different culturally but yeah 
you know, you bring up the analogy of the 50-50 and, you know, I've, I've heard that analogy too when it comes to marriage. And I think a lot of times when people are thinking about marriage, are they married or they're preparing for marriage is they think, well, marriage is 50-50, mm -hmm. you know, like I give half, she gives half or he gives half and we meet in the middle. And there's nothing worse for your marriage than that <laughs> attitude because there is no meeting in the middle. The reality is when you enter into a covenant with someone is that you give everything you have. Now, some days all you have is 70. Like that's all you could give. You're exhausted. But your your effort is 100. You see, and I think, I think that's the point is that I think God really does give A for effort. <laughs> like I read, like, like, Teachers never gave me A's for effort, right? Because it's actually, you know, it's objective, you mm -hmm. know, the math problem. But, I mean, I think God looks at effort in a whole different light than we do. Yeah, because, I mean, in the end, God doesn't need anything from us except our love, which is expressed in our effort. Not in our success, but in our effort. Yeah, and I, so to take your analogy a little bit further is is this, is if if we've bought into the lie of 50-50, and that's bled over into our own relationship with God. We need to deal with that, because there is no 50-50 when it comes to relationship with God. And let me put this back on God, okay, not for a second, is that God doesn't come halfway. God's not 50 on his deal. Mm -hmm. Like, God gives everything 100% of himself, because that's his nature, God can't give part or half or little. God doesn't meet halfway. That's the biggest lie you'll ever hear, ever. It's heresy. God gives 100%. In the Catechism, it says God tirelessly pursues. You read the book of Genesis. It says God goes in search of Adam and Eve, even after what? They sinned. They mm -hmm. fell short. They went 50. <laughs> right. right? So we the nature of God is that oftentimes in our culture, we have a view of God, sort of a, a deist view of God, in a sense is God created and stepped away. He's yep. sort of either not or he's partially intervening with the world or with our life, right? That's not the truth. The reality is that God created and God stepped in and God is still in our world and alive, moving and active and constantly pursuing us even when we only give 10%. So God doesn't look at you and said, Adam, all you gave was 10% today. I'm not meeting you. <laughs> In your 10%, God still goes 100. Yes. And I think getting to this fluffy Christianity idea is the hard truth is that that is the foundation of a different Christianity. We can come out of this. We can change our church culture to be not fluffy, but it starts with treating God as if he actually exists. Right. And he actually cares about me, and he's in my life, and he talks to me, and he cares about the church, and he has some opinions about what the church should be doing. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, actually acknowledging him is kind of, the, to me, the one of the first steps as a church. Yeah. I mean, what's transformed me in my marriage is when I have only given 10%, and yet my spouse is still loving me at 100. Mm -hmm. You said, like, that's transforming. That that transformed. Wow. I don't deserve to be loved, but yet that person's choosing to love me. This is the transformation that we have in relationship with God. This is the gospel truth, is that Jesus comes not 50%. God sends his son 100%. God, I mean, like, yep. seriously. like There's God, never a moment of our life that God is not present to God us. God goes all the way even when we only go half. 
Yeah. Even when we only go partial, even when we fall, we sin, we fail. So if you're out there struggling, like, man, I, I haven't given much. I, I'm not living my faith fully, or I've failed, or I'm dealing with sin or regret or past or work, whatever the case may be, is that God's still going 100%. You yeah. can grab hold of that and say, even in my 1%, God's going 100%, and you just latch onto that and let God pull you out. You don't pull yourself out. Right. God pulls you out. Yeah, I remember I, relatively recently someone said to me, well, I'd really like to conquer this sin before I go to confession, because if I go to confession and I'm still in it, I just feel inauthentic. Like, that's the opposite of, you know? Like, we don't become a version that God can love. God created us because he loves us. That's a different... I mean, you and I, we discover people and we love them. Like, I meet my wife. She's wonderful. I fall in love. I love... God doesn't discover people. It's not like he's walking around and he's like, this person's really good and holy and nice. I'll love him. (laughs) No, he loves us into existence. And... So the initiative is always on God's part. And our 100% honestly is just, okay, God, love me. Right. In this situation, I'm going to let you love me and I'm going to be faithful to that love. And that's all he asks of us. But I think it's important, Paul, to draw this line between what fidelity to Christ means, like 100%. I don't think it means doing more things, right? Like I'm filling my day with all these holy things, but doing the right things that God's actually asking me to do. Right. Right? Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly the point. It's not doing more. It it's actually doing what God's asking you to do. You know, and so, you know, being a hundred percent. You know, it, it's like here's the reality. On my best day, I probably don't give a hundred percent because I'm human. I fail. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I know that. Like, like I'm gonna fall short. Like I'm not perfect. So to even I don't know if I've ever had a perfect hundred percent day. Like. Never. Like, it's just, but God loves me, and God pursues and still calls me out, right? But that's not a failure. It's not a failure. Because fidelity to him, it starts by his initiative, right? He's faithful to us. That's the foundation and rock of our relationship. His fidelity to us, not the other way around. Yeah. I mean, I think God's a big fan of baseball, right? Why not? If you go one for three, that's a success, right? That's, that's you know, batting 300, right? It's like, pretty good. I mean, you can make the major leagues in that. You see what I'm saying? So, like, like that's that, like, we're not, we're not called to, to be perfect. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're called to allow Jesus to meet us in, in our imperfection and, and to love us there. So, anyway, we're going to continue this conversation. It's Paul and Adam talking Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George. Right here, right now, in studio with Adam Conk. Right here, right now. Okay, so I noticed that you don't have your phone on you as much that you used to. But 
you do get text on your watch. So are you a pro or con on that? Because like I am, I am not the digital watch guy that has that. But I do look at my phone probably more than you. So like I, I admit. Well, one of the reasons I got it was to look look at my phone less, and it has done that. Yeah, it's basically having a much simpler phone as my normal experience, and then when I need, I go to the more complicated phone. But it, I, I got to admit, sometimes I wonder if I'm just a little overboard, especially when I have my laptop out, my phone, yeah. and my watch, yeah. and I think, oh, my word, the machines are taking over. So can I make a confession? Sure. Like, I honestly. can't give you absolution, but sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. There, there are times where I literally just want to throw my computer mm. and my phone mm-hmm. Like away, mm. like not even like, Ever, hey, let forever. me put it away. Yeah, like skip it across. Like I have images of like <laughs> skipping it across a pond, <laughs> and like having no like, no like no disgust about that. Just like that was the best feeling ever. <laughs> I just skipped my phone and my computer across the pond and never saw it again. Like there's literally time in in just in my human longing to be detached. Like honestly, mm-hmm. and yet I'm not. Yeah, You know, I keep opening it up, keep looking at it, and I know we use it. I know it's a tool. Like, I know there's all these good things about it. But there's something in me as a human that wants to be detached from those things, and I fight it all the time. Well, maybe when you get to heaven, waiting for you at the gates is going to be your computer, your phone, whatever else. And St. Peter's going to give you a baseball bat. <laughs> He's going to say, Paul, just enjoy it. Man. This would be a pond. He's like, look, you can just sk- enjoy it. Skip it across yeah. the pond <laughs> right now. Enjoy it, man. Right now. Well, I was, we were talking in the first segment just, you know, about being committed, you know, like being all Don't be fluffy. You. Don't be fluffy. But, you know, here's the reality is the, the only way to really discern that is to actually enter into a conversation with Jesus. Yep. So yep. when passages come up in Scripture, you know, and Jesus says, you know, follow me, and he got up and followed him, or, you know, the you know, the, the rich young man who walked away sadly, that makes me feel uncomfortable, or sell everything you have, and that makes me feel uncomfortable. Love your enemies, that makes me feel uncomfortable. All those things honestly make me feel uncomfortable because then I have to ask the question, how am I doing that? What is the Lord asking of me? Which brings to the point of the only way to really give what we have to Jesus is to enter into conversation with Jesus about it. Yeah. Pray. Right. Yep. I think prayer is one of the most under talked about or I'll use the word because I can't think of a better one, but wrongly talked about topics in the church today Yeah. in not that the information we give is wrong. For example, if we do a, a workshop on contemplation and the joys of it, that's awesome. Right, and we should all be striving for the heights of contemplative prayer, like we should, right? But the reality is, our relationship with Christ is unique, and the way the way we interact with Him is unique. That's not a cop out, but the thing is, we're not called to be a middle aged saint, or you know, if I'm a married person, I'm not called to be a religious. But that's not a cop out. I'm still called to the heights of holiness. I'm still called to very deep prayer. Right. But we have to recognize that the foundation of my prayer life is God's will for me. Yeah. That's the foundation. That's not like something added to it. Like here's prayer and let's add to it. Oh, I'm a married person. So how do I do prayer as a married person? It's the other way around. God's God's will for me 
is X, Y, Z. Following that faithfully includes a prayer life that he will bring about. And I know just personally, I've wasted months and years trying to be something I'm not with prayer. And it was just very helpful to find the right spiritual direction that led me to find out who, how does God actually want me to pray? What does he want from me? And it's just night and day. Absolutely. And prayer is so diverse, it's so different, and it's so individual in a sense of how we communicate with God and, and relate to God. I was having this conversation with this adult who called me, came in, talked to me, and trying to discern many things in their life and yada, yada. And I just said, well, you know, do you have a prayer life? Yeah, I pray. Okay, good. Tell me about it. Well, I do a lot. Like I do this rhythm of prayer and I go to the chapel and I go to adoration and I the liturgy of the hours and boom. I mean, it was like just an influx of stuff, right? And you talked about in the first segment earlier about sometimes it's not about doing more, right? Mm-hmm. And so their, their, their slate was packed with, the things of prayer, but then I ended up saying, well, what's, what's Jesus telling you in your prayer? And they were like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they're like, well, if your prayer is not leading you into conversation with Jesus so that Jesus is talking to your heart and then you know what Jesus wants you to do, then, then maybe you should think about praying some things differently or in a different way or different style or whatever the case may be. So all the things were more of distraction from the conversation mm-hmm. that Jesus was asking. So, you know, like sometimes less is more sometimes just being sitting with Jesus and saying, what, what do you want for me? Like, let's talk about this. Yeah. And the more, the more I journey through prayer, the more I'm convicted of, of this is that the main thing Jesus wants to talk about with me is how to follow him more closely. Right. And if you look at the gospels, when he talked to people, what did he talk about? Follow me. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like he didn't, it wasn't like, how's your day going? Tell me. Now, I'm not saying don't talk to Jesus about your day. Do that. But in what context? And to me, context is everything with prayer. If I think prayer is a time for me to go get supercharged, get my spiritual battery up and going, I'm not, I'm going to miss it. Right? If I think prayer is a time to, I don't know, calm myself, relax, missed it. Prayer is a time to spend with my master who's calling me to follow him. Right. And the thing is, that's who Jesus is for us. I think we need to accept that. Jesus is not our buddy. He's not our pal. He's not someone to make life easier. He's our master who gives us marching orders every day of where he'd like to see us grow and and as a disciple. And that's the main thing he wants to talk about in prayer. Well, And I think, you know, when we talk about fluffy spirituality, here's the thing is that the image I have with fluffy spirituality is a fluffy Jesus. Like, Honestly. Like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. Like <laughs> surfer Jesus. Oh, you know, like Jesus' hair is yep. waving in the wind, and he's like super cool and, and <laughs> super great, and, and you know, just this, you know, real easygoing, laid back, like, dude, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, like th- this sort of idea. Yeah, Jesus is our friend. Yeah, Jesus does love us. Mm-hmm. But... Jesus is our master and our Lord, and Jesus does ask us to do things that make us feel uncomfortable. Why? Because he knows what's best for us. Yep. So and for l- other people. Let me give you a simple situation. Uh, my marriage makes me feel uncomfortable. Why? Because it stretches me. It makes mm-hmm. me love the way I could ever know before. It makes me uncomfortable. Does that mean I shouldn't do it? Does that mean I should walk away from it? Does that mean I should have never said yes to it? No. The, the first time Jesus said, I think you should get married, is like, that is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. Why? Because <laughs> I was fighting the urge to grow. 
mm-hmm. to, to do something that I was afraid of, right? So Jesus doesn't call us to a cliff to jump off and die and, and destroy our life. He's calling us to something greater. He's calling us up, not, not away, right? right? So the things that Jesus calls us to actually make us more happy, actually make us more fulfilled. Yes, they might require sacrifice, but I've never, I've never talked to someone who sacrificed something for Jesus that wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. And if they were miserable, it's because they did it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Well, I think you're paraphr- paraphrasing what Christ said. If, if you wish to be my disciple, take up your cross, that uncomfortable, painful, growing experience daily, and follow me. And to me, this is the foundation of prayer. At least... Prayer with this person, Jesus Christ, yeah, is that I'm now taking up my cross today, and I'm going to follow you where to lead me. And I think a lot of a lot of us struggle with, especially meditation and mental prayer. You know, like yeah. reading scripture thing, because we think the purpose of it is to arrive at these high, higher truths that will illuminate me in my life, and then I'll be able to live my life better. It's not the purpose. Purpose is to draw us into this conversation with Jesus where he can lead us, which sometimes does lead us to higher truths, but it's not the purpose. The purpose is to discover and love Christ, right? So, for example, um, we just had the healing of Bartimaeus on Sunday's Mass, right? Yep. <clears throat> There's a lot to be said there intellectually or academically, or and, and that's great. And look, I love studying theology, don't get me wrong. But... That's not why the church puts that gospel in front of us that day, right? Right. <laughs> like, the, the purpose of it is that Christ wants to call me through this gospel. Right. So how are you calling me, Jesus, in this gospel is the primary question of prayer, in my opinion, it's when I'm meditating with Scripture. In prayer, and I, I think that's, that's the point I was getting into this conversation with this person, was how much time do you spend with Jesus in, in Scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Like, in... So if you take the story of Bartimaeus and and you read that story and this interaction that you know the disciples have with Bartimaeus and Bartimaeus is blind and then Jesus brings Bartimaeus in front of Jesus and he asks him the question, what do you want me to do for me? And Bartimaeus is blind. It's you're reading that and you know the historical content. If you don't, you can look it up. It's pretty cool. I mean, they're in, you know they're in Jericho. Jesus is walking through. He's going to Jerusalem. Jericho is down the hill, and they're walking up. You know Jesus is probably pretty much on his journey to the crucifixion, right? He's kind of getting to know this, and but but he stops in the middle of all this. And there's a blind beggar who's been pushed out to the edge of the city. Why? Because people think he's unworthy. People think he's you know dirty. He's sinful. sinful. Yeah. Exactly. Yet Jesus takes the time. So, so this whole passage has the ability to draw us into a conversation with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so wh- where am I in that passage? And what is Jesus asking of me? And I think it's a fair question. I think it's an appropriate question if you're in relationship to, with someone to simply say, what are, you, what are you asking of me? What are you telling me? Yeah. What do you want for me? Right? Right. So that that's what Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what can I do for you? And then he, you know, Bartimaeus says, I, I, I want to see. You know, it's obvious. But yeah. Jesus wants a response. And then he heals him, you know, he can see. And then at the end of the passage, the very thing is that Bartimaeus followed him. Yes. So so following. So it it it's true that once Bartimaeus saw that that he simply just asked the question back, well, what do you want me to do now? Follow me. 
So he, he followed him. He followed him where? Where was Jesus going? Jesus was going to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think it's in our prayer, like we could do all these things, but if we're not having a conversation with Jesus about what he wants us to do and how to live, then we're never going to know how to live and what to do. Right. Because that's our fundamental dynamic with Jesus. Remember, our relationships, humanly speaking, have dynamics to them. Me and my spouse, my fundamental dynamic is that I'm a companion to her. She's a companion to me. We are journeying together through life. That's the fundamental reality. And so whenever I address her, speak to her, interact with her, it should be to accompany her on her journey through life, right, as a good companion. That's the fundamental reality. My parents, uh, me and my kids have a different dynamic. That's not my fundamental dynamic with them. Right. Now, are we companions? Sure. Are we journeying through life together? Sure. But at the heart of it, I am an educator to them. That's it, right? What is our fundamental dynamic with Jesus Christ? Discipleship. I'm following my master through life into heaven. Yep. That's it. Right. And yes, he can be my friend. He can be my companion. But if I'm not reading that story and saying, Lord... How are you calling me to follow me? How are you asking me? I'm missing it. If that's not my main conversation. And the thing is, all of the blessings he wants to give me are in the context of that relationship. Bartimaeus is healed within the context of the call to discipleship. Right. Everything God wants to do in my life is in the context of our fundamental reality, that I'm his disciple. Right. Exactly. You know, I'm having this conversation with this person, and I keep going back to, you know, and in parts, like, she wanted my opinion on certain things is like, well, you know, like, do you buy a blue car or a red car? I can give you my opinion, but I can't tell you what Jesus wants. Like only you can know mm-hmm. by talking to Jesus about what he wants. And this isn't a decision about what car to buy. Like, <laughs> you know, this is like a vocational or, yeah. like, you know, a calling or whatever. Spend time with Jesus and ask Jesus what he wants. And yet I think what, what oftentimes you know, de- deters us from that conversation or many things. It, it could be, well, I don't have the time. It could be practical or I don't make the time. But I think for, for most part, you know, or I don't know what to do, right? But I yep. think for the most part, it's the conversation makes us feel uncomfortable. Yep. Like, let's just be honest. Yep. I'm afraid to know what Jesus is going to tell me and what he's going to ask of me. And so I don't want to talk about it. And that's what came up in the conversation. It's like, it sounds like there's a lot of fear either way of what Jesus might say to you. And you just, you're kind of wrapped in that fear. She's like, yeah. And that's very human. We are afraid of conversations with others that we think would be unpleasant and we don't want to have them. It's right. just very human. Yeah. But with the Lord, I think that fear in our humanness is real, but Jesus would never ask us or press into something that he didn't want to love or to heal, right? So there's only good on the other end of what Jesus asks of us. So if it's bringing up some brokenness or woundedness or fear, uh, it's because Jesus wants to actually make yep. us better. Yeah, because where are we following him to? Eternal life. Right. Joy forever with him. Like that is the end goal. And every step along that journey is not just our salvation, our eternal life, but others as well. Um, but staying close to him is the only is the only way. I mean, he is the way. Right. No, exactly. So, you know, in some ways we use this word discernment a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and But discernment isn't just about one decision or the next. Discernment literally is a way of life. 
It's like each moment of each day just saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live, right? Certainly there's bigger decisions that we need to pray more into and about asking the Lord, and we might not get an answer immediately. But, you know, discerning something, we can't discern something without having a conversation. Yep. And that conversation depends on our state in life. Like I I think of the St. Teresa of Avila's and others that their way of life, God, God will always speak to us according to our way of life, right? Now, all of our ways of life, all of our states in the church have a certain experience of the church and community built in. So it's not like there's never been a saint who had a great prayer life by themselves. Even the hermits, they had the support of the church to even do it, right? And a lot of them formed her hermetical community. So even the ones that are the most in solitude, their prayer life depended on a certain way of living and community that God used. For example, St. Teresa of Avila. She has a spiritual director in her life. She has uh, her sisters that she has obligations to. Like She has all of this circling around how God is going to communicate to her, and she needs to discern that communication. For us as lay people, we have a way of life. We have family. We have mentors. We have bosses. We have circumstances. We have a spiritual director, hopefully. like We have these things built in that God will use to speak to us through and discern that we would discern through, and he honors that and speaks to us that way. I mean, think of even the Blessed Mother, right? If anybody in the history of humanity that's a pure human being could just get directly from God, it was her. But he uses the ministry of an angel to communicate to her. He uses St. Joseph, who's a sinful man, meaning a sinner, not a sinful man, but a sinner. Human. To communicate, okay, take Jesus to Egypt, okay, take whatever, to the Virgin Mary, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing is, we're not going to pray alone, and the structures of discernment that God has for our state and life are super important. And if we did, if we just, like I'm thinking of a lot of young people that I've worked with where it's like, I don't care what my mom says. I don't care what my dad says. They don't even know Jesus. Well, like, okay, yeah, but they're still your mom and dad, and God's going to use the structures of your life to communicate his will to you. Yeah, no, exactly. And we're going to talk more about this when we come back. It's Paul and Adam talking to our living. The Paul and George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam here talking Art of Living. Great to be with you today, Adam. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You too, Paul. Man, lots of great things happening, actually. Yeah. The shows keep going. I mean, I, I never thought I would do the podcast and the show this long, so thanks for everyone for listening. Yeah. And you're, supporting you're why we do this. Yeah. You can go to uh, discovertheartofliving.com. You can get the podcast on there. You can support the show, support the ministry, all the things we do. Buy the book, Rethink Buy Happiness. That book. It's get it book. into people's hands, man. Yeah. Uh, Christmas is coming up. Oh, that's true. I didn't even it's time to bless that. your family and friends. Yes. With a little more happiness in their life. Yeah. Buy for a whole church, small group, whatever the case It really be, is a good small group discussion book because you design it that way. I mean, it's a, yeah. everybody can read it and relate to it. 
Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Now, Paul, Yo. I have to ask you. Yeah. Because you wouldn't bring this up because you're such a humble guy. But you've been up to something lately with these... Uh, with with rise men move men's movement. Yeah, I'm trying to be up to something. What's going on? So if you haven't, well, you've heard of MenRiseUp.org. They do yeah. a 30 day men's challenge, which is short videos for each day for 30 days. Right? It's great. Yeah, it's inspirational. It's good. Spiritual. It's good stuff. Um, you did the 30 day. I did. Which meant, it's good. And you liked it. I love it. And they're awesome videos. Mm-hmm. So you could subscribe, be a subscriber to the website menriseup.org but the 30 day challenge I think was just you just pay one time 30 whatever correct do the $30 but they're going to have ongoing content for subscribers like more challenges more workshops more videos so I'm going to be doing some of those right on yeah right on so you can go to menriseup.org I think spring 2019 now you're going to be okay on video because obviously on radio it's wonderful. Well, here's the thing is I have a great face for radio. Right. And I'm pretty comfortable with that. So I don't know about the video thing. Well, I'm, you've done videos before. I'm a little Let's nervous. Let's be honest. You've done videos. Yeah, but nothing great. Like, I don't have anything great Yeah, the, Well, these videos are, I mean, if they're going to be like the ones I've seen, they're pretty top-notch. I think if well there's done. any group of people that can make me sound or look good on video. It's these guys from Cardinal Studios. Like they're unbelievably good. So honestly, like I think that's the only reason I'm I'm getting into this agreement is cuz they can actually make me seem like I'm okay. <laughs> Are they going to put like makeup on you and stuff? I, I don't care what they do. Nice. You just, really trust these people. Yeah, I don't care what they do. I don't care what they do. Just make make it good. <laughs> yeah, just don't make me seem like I'm an idiot. So anyway, that, that's pretty cool. Lots that's of, very lots cool. Lots of exciting things. Well, it's a great movement. I mean, obviously, we've been talking about the need for men's ministry and investing men for how many decades now in the church? Yeah, 100 million decades. And a lot of good work has been done, but we have a lot of solutions we need to explore. So this is exciting. Yeah, so kind of connecting to the last segment, you know, we're talking about, you know, in our spiritual life and journey of prayer, like we're actually not called totally to, to do this by ourselves alone. You know, uh, this is why I think we're so intrigued by people who live in actual community life, especially religious. Like I, I haven't had an experience of religious who live in community who were miserable. Like I just, I haven't had that experience. It's just such a like a joyful, a peaceful. Uh, uh, that there, there's something there, and you even talked about for us as like non-religious lay people, we we have our own community, own rhythm of life. But I don't know if we're always intentional about that community mm-hmm. or that rhythm of life. And I think people who, and I hate to use the word strive, but I'm going to just use it for lack of better words. But I think people who I notice who stri- are striving in their relationship with God, who are doing what Jesus is asking them to do, basically, are people who aren't isolated. They they have this sense of communal experience, sense of accountability that there whatever Jesus is asking them to do is is being clarified through other people and it's being you know supported you know like i can't i'm not called to do this alone mm-hmm. and if i'm saying hey adam like this is what i feel like god's calling you and you're like dude i i agree you need to do it and i'm like okay you know like <laughs> well and paul i know you don't like controversy on this show mm-hmm. but can i be a little controversial show i think there's two sides of fluffy christianity that revolve around what you just said one is 
and this is what I think is fluffy Christianity, is I'm going to be super Catholic. In fact, more Catholic than anyone else. Yeah. And the only people around me and the only friends I'm going to have are going to be these super Catholics. I'm going to ignore the rest. And ignore everyone else or, or work to convert people to the super Catholicism that I have. That's one side where it's like, and, and that's not real community. It's not, you know what I mean? And so we kind of feel very non-fluffy. I think, but that's fluffy because you're just scared of community. Yeah, I think the, the like the other end of that bell curve that you're talking about is we become more uh, insulated or, mm-hmm. you know, like in, into our own. Like, we, and we forget about God's vision for the world or mission or going out and making disciples and and you know really living our living our faith out. Yeah, you know, we become very comfortable inward. And the other end of that spectrum or fluffy is that I don't want good Catholics as friends because they make me feel bad about myself. Right. <laughs> so I'm just going to, I like to hang out mainly with people that aren't into Jesus. And every once in a while, I like to have people that are into Jesus in my life so that when I need, I can reach out to them. But I'm not going to be like faithful friends to them or anything. Those are going to be these other people. And that that's very dangerous because we need to be faithful to Christ by being faithful to other members of the church, good community. And so if I'm not going to be faithful to other Christians that are serious Christians, I'm not being faithful to Christ. So yeah, it's I'm both gonna, ends of it. I'm going to be around people who only make me feel comfortable, only yeah. make me feel good about them, only agree with me. Like yeah. if that's your circle, like you're never going to get better. Right. Like you're never going to grow because you're, you're basically going to be supported as a great narcissist. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, like, yeah, everyone just agrees with everything I say and they support everything I do and no one challenges me. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Hey, I have a little man- mental exercise to figure out if that's you. Another one? Another mental that exercise? we can all use this is say, the second time you've mentioned <laughs> yeah, yeah. mental exercise. I love exercise. mental exercises. Okay. So if, if you want to know if you're in either of these groups of fluffy Christians, mm-hmm. imagine someone's telling you right now, you are a fluffy Christian. Ooh. If you get angry, you're in one of those groups. If you agree with them, you might actually be a real Christian. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am a fluffy Christian. <laughs> well, no, but if you start to defend yourself, what are you talking about? I do X, Y, Z. I'm, yeah. you know, then you're relying too much on things that aren't really following Jesus. But if I'm like, tell me more. Like, right. How am I? Fl- let's fix this. Challenge me. Let's work on this. Challenge me. If you yeah. invite that in, that's a very healthy sign. Yeah. No, I mean, I think. You know, as I stated earlier, is that this this whole conversation is is for me. Like I I got to constantly, yep. you know, evaluate myself or what do you call them? A mental exercise. Mental exercise. Well, and I say that because I went through this very poignantly. I remember telling a priest I was interested in going in seminary. In fact, I was applying, which I did, and I needed a letter of recommendation. And he tells me, "Well, the thing is, you don't really know how to pray." Boom. And I got mad. Yeah, you did. Why did I get mad? Because he was right. Yeah. He made you feel uncomfortable. So, <laughs> anger is a great sign of like you're scratching, scratching oh, something. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And that's why in marriage you're like, you know, we're like, oh, yeah? Well, what about you? You know, you, <laughs> so what we, ended up, what we end up doing when we feel uncomfortable is we, t- we want to turn the tables. So oftentimes our response is, oh, yeah? Well, what about you? Right? Mm-hmm. And so we constantly are deflecting growth no i'm not instead of instead of embracing it be like you know what like i might not even admit you're right but i'm gonna go think about this 
you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go really do a minnow exercise about it. <laughs> I'm going to evaluate that. Like, cause it's, cause there's something that scratched the surface. There's something that really made me feel like, okay, all right. Am, am I, you know, whatever. And so I think that's important, but this brings me back to community accountability. Yep. Like pe- people who really love us scratch those things, but they love us. Like they do it out of love, right? They, their true love is willing the good of the other. They want, the good for us. They're not doing it to make us miserable. They're not doing us to make us feel like we're, we're less than them. If people are like that in your life, those aren't good friends. Get rid of those people. Mm-hmm. But people who are doing it out of love to say th- that they see more in us that we can grow, that's beautiful. And those are the people that are going to actually walk with us. They're not going to abandon us right. in our weakness or our shortcomings. Right. So get out of the fluffy people. All right, so here we go, man. We are going to do a powerhouse six-pack of questions. Question. Question number one. All right, so Paul, we're talking about fluffy Christianity mm-hmm. and not being fluffy Christianity. Fluffy. You like that word today? <laughs> I just made it up, but I fluffy Christianity. I There's something about like the tagline. It's like the, the, the advent of a religion that no one wants to follow yeah no one wants to really sacrifice for like i see it question number one okay is there such a thing as like for a new christian let's say someone coming into the church or just getting into it is there such a thing as i don't know warming up to christianity or do you just go hard of the paint from the get-go How i think does that work? some of the the most radical in a, in a good way christians are converts or people who have had like a real you know, conversion uh, to Jesus. And they're like, this is like the best thing I've ever heard. This is like the best news I've ever heard. Like Jesus changed my life. Those are the people that go all in, you know, oftentimes. They're just like, boom. And I love that. Uh, So stay that way, you know, ground it, root it, you know, you're going to come down from maybe the high of it. But I think we should all be challenged. That, that this is what I like about um, the RCIA pro- process, the Rite of Christian Initiation. These are people who are going through the process of either being baptized or confirmed or receiving the sacraments as adults. I would challenge people to go to the Easter Vigil uh, when pe- when adults are coming into the church. It's beautiful, you know, seeing an adult baptism and you know an adult comfort like people who are like. I, this is what I want. This is, you know, I'm all in. Like, I, I think it's a good reminder for us. Yeah. Yeah, I do an RCA program for five years now, and I wouldn't know who I'd be without it, to be honest with you. Yeah, exactly. All right, question number two. We're going to do this rotating, alternating thing. Cool. All right. All right. So if someone was going to do a mental exercise, <laughs> <laughs> how would you suggest they kind of evaluate themselves or or do an examination of conscience about an area of their life well i would in regards to this fluffy examination thing i would say am i a better christian than i was a year ago has got to be a constant examination right because i mean and this is this is like anything human any relationship or whatever is it getting better or worse right so if i look back a year from now and i don't see substantial growth because when you've been following the lord for a year i mean the disciples, the apostles followed him for three years, and then they went, 
you know, convert the world. Right. So three years was a lot yep. in following Jesus from A to B. Mm-hmm. So if I can't say I've grown substantially in the past year as a disciple of Jesus, yeah, there's something wrong. Yeah, and and that's a good evaluation. And it's not a it's not a um, you sh- you shouldn't like beat yourself for that. No, it it's just a way to evaluate to say, oh, okay, maybe this things I need to be doing to make some adjustments, you know, so either our relationships are moving forward or they're moving backwards. Yeah. You know, sometimes we're stuck trying to move forward, but we're never stuck moving backwards, you know? No. And so if that's the case, if either I kind of feel like I'm at the same place I was a year ago with Jesus, or I'm actually further away, don't freak out. Like you said, don't freak out because he never left you the whole time. Like he's still just as close. Um, but there is something you can do today to go a little bit closer. And again, I'm not saying give give not your 100%, but give your 100% to Jesus. What do you want from me today? I'll do it. He'll tell you just one thing. He's not going to tell you a thousand things. He's yep. going to tell you one thing to do today. Just do it. Amen. So, question number three. Number three. <laughs> All right, so Paul. Yes, Adam. Um, what advice would you give to someone who gets really angry about fluffy Christian. So for example, let's say I consider myself a hard to the paint Christian and when I see people just not giving their all to Jesus, it infuriates me. Yeah. What's going on with me and how do I what do I do about that? I would just look at the the passage that makes me feel really uncomfortable. Right? We're talking about these passages that make us feel uncomfortable. They make us feel uncomfortable because Jesus is trying to challenge us to be better. And the that passage that makes me feel uncomfortable is, you know, don't look at you know, the speck in someone else's eye, you know, you have a log in your own eye in a sense of what is it about them? That's just making you feel really uncomfortable. Right. Uh, is, and so you're judging them, you're judging where they are. And like, you're assuming that you're better than them or you're living more radical than them. And then what's keeping you from actually going and loving those people and saying, how, how can I journey with you? Right. So asking Jesus to, What's he asking you to do in that situation, right? And if it keeps bothering you, then then do something about it. That's what I say. It's pretty good. Just do something. Just do something. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. All right, so question number four. For for the normal person listening to this, you know, when it comes to moving forward, what, what would just one easy step to do uh, to be more faithful, more into the relationship with Christ? I would suggest a getting into a rhythm of discipleship, all right? And it's not complicated. It'll get more ornate as the years go on because the Lord will tell you more. But if you're not, if you don't have a rhythm of discipleship in your daily life, it's going to start very simply. I would suggest this. That's just my suggestion. But every morning, read that day's gospel from Mass. And with this question in mind, Lord, what are you calling me to do from this? Yeah. Right. I like to think that the gospel that day will reveal something about my heart to me. Like Mm -hmm. I, I lack something or I have something. I lack something that Jesus wants to give me, or I have something that I need to share with others. For example, sometimes I read the gospel. I just feel happy. I'm like, this is awesome. I love the Lord. All right. Well, how do I share that today with someone else? How do I share that joy I have in Jesus with whom specifically? Or it shows I lack something like, hey, this gospel is making me see that I do judge others and I need to stop or, you know, some place to grow. So how am I going to grow in that today? What's a specific thing I could do today? 
and then ask for the Lord's help that day. Then at the end of the day, just examine your conscience. How did it go? Did I share that joy with Jesus that I have with someone else? How did it go? Did I grow in the way I wanted to grow? How did it go? Talk about it with Jesus. So the simple rhythm of reading the gospel in the morning, having a plan for discipleship for the day, and then evaluating how it went at night. The church has been doing that for 2,000 years, examination of conscience yeah. and examination of foresight. That's which simple, is, yeah. too. It's a great first step. I yeah. mean, it's really simple, and it doesn't need to take five hours of your day. So I literally do it in five minutes sometimes in the morning. Yeah. And I don't feel bad about it because I don't have an hour to spend yeah. <laughs> meditating on the you, scripture. You're about to have your seventh kid. Man. <laughs> All right, question number five. So the role of excuses comes to mind for me and kind of talk because we, we're so good at excuses. How do we know if we're a person that just gives excuses in life and in our relationship with Jesus? How do we identify that one? And two, how do we become a non-excuses kind of person? If you're an excuse maker, you know this about yourself. This is a pattern. You make excuses not only in your faith life, but in every other area of your life. Like excuses are like a they're like a needle and thread. They weave throughout our life. Okay. And so what I would say is like if you're an excuse maker, like, ah, oh, I can't, you know, or oh, it's too much. Or oh, blah, blah, or oh, I don't want then just own it. Like just say, I really do make excuses and I need to stop. And then catch yourself. Catch yourself when you're making an excuse. And 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 just say, you know, I just made an excuse. And then make that be your entry le- entry point to prayer. Does that make sense? Right then, and into then. a conversation. Yeah, just yeah. you know, Scripture says pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. So conversation with Jesus can happen throughout your day. Oh Lord, I just made an excuse. What are you saying to me? You know, so we all make excuses, but if you're a perpetual excuse maker, you can <laughs> stop the habit by just owning it and recognizing it. I love that because right then and there you can just, like you said, it's an entry point to that conversation. Lord, what are you trying to tell me? Yeah. All right, so last question. Uh, you know, a lot of people think, oh, man, i got to do all these things, and uh, my life's busy, and it's crazy, and it's hectic. And we talked about just what's a good starting point. You gave it a good a good starting point there. But I think a lot of times people put a time on that. And, and you know, we could debate about this, but, like, you know, people commute, and they're in their car, and they have family, and they wake up, and it's like kids everywhere. Like, do we always have to put a time on our, our, you know, prayer with Jesus? I would say if you're a busy person, which 99.9% of us involved in this conversation are busy people, right? So if you're a busy person, and if you're a lay person, the Lord is probably calling you to not do this by yourself, but in a group of people. So, for example, if I attempted to have this special time with Jesus in the morning, my special time with my wife in the morning, my special time with all six, almost seven of my right. kids in right. the morning. Think about that. Individually, mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. Right. So I have a choice. I either just don't do any special time with anybody or I do it together, right? So, for example, I don't read the scriptures and meditate. And like that little plan I was talking about, I don't do it by myself in the morning. I do it with my kids. Mm-hmm. We do it together. It builds our relationship and relationship with Jesus. Like, it's not like I have to hit one, each one individually. <laughs> yep. Um, so I would say if you're busy, think about who you can incorporate into your discipleship throughout the day. Obviously your family, but why not coworkers? Yeah. Like, if you if you need to start the day with certain type of prayer, but you also need to get out of the door during lunch, during your break, could you incorporate 
some kind of discipleship dynamic into your relationships there. Because um, again, not only does that build the kingdom, but it makes it practical for you. Because you can't do it all. You can't manage all these relationships individually. You have to combine them. And that's not the Lord's will for us, that we just have all these individual things eating our time and, and needing you know all these demands and all these things to keep up with. His will for us is very simple, actually. So that's what I would suggest. Where can you nurture lots of things at one time by including it in your discipleship? Yeah, and don't feel guilty if, you know, one day your prayer time is your commute in your car, mm-hmm. you know, reflecting on, on the gospel or just quiet or, you know, five minutes at lunch or, you know, you, like, don't feel guilty for that. But like we said, like, God loves good intentions and rewards that. And the intention of our heart is to spend time with Jesus, and you can carve it out at certain times in your day. Do the best you can. Yep. Right? Yeah, and you're going to have a daily rhythm that you don't need to hit every day. Right. It just doesn't... Stuff comes up. Yeah, life's just nuts. But if it's what you mostly do at that time, then it has its effect. For example, if you mostly meditate on the Scriptures at this time, but today was nuts, tomorrow's nuts, this week is nuts, but then once it's not nuts anymore, you you come back to it, you still experience the effect of daily Scripture meditation in your life, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Don't stress. All right, man. Well, great show. Great six-pack. Uh, you can get the show on podcast, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, the whole deal. All of it. All of it. So share the show. Thanks so much for listening. Paul and Adam, we'll be back next week. God bless.